Episode number one of the Economic War Room was with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. It was a huge coup for us. Colonel West is a personal hero. He's an army officer who put his life on the line. He also put his life on the line going into Congress as a public servant in Congress. And he's the former chairman of the Republic Party of Texas. He's a patriot. And welcome back, Colonel West. Well, thanks. I mean, I think we're on episode 230, so it took me a while to get back. But yeah, you've it's been an a honor. Few, you've been a few times. You <laughs> yeah. were uh, right yeah. before COVID, and we're, yeah. we're glad to have you back. Absolutely. My pleasure. We're hoping for a sit rep. We're, we're wanting to talk about the enemies of liberty, which I've, I list down here, CCP, Chinese Communist Party, Deep State, woke globalists, jihadis. Uh, who are the who who are we facing? Who's our battle? With? Well, it's interesting because uh, when you take that oath to the uh, Constitution to support and defend it, it's against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So let's look at those external enemies, the foreign enemies. Without a doubt, the number one geopolitical foe that we have is China, and downstream from them, you have I, I call it the new axis of evil, being it Russia, Iran, North Korea, and we still have to be concerned about Islamic jihadism, especially when you have a wide open porous border like we have when you've got a million people that have come across that border quote-unquote gotaways and you have no understanding who or where they are so without a doubt those are the external threats that we face but I think really the most disconcerting thing are the domestic threats that we face to, to liberty and it emanates out of Washington DC who would have ever thought that you would have an administration that would abdicate its constitutional duties and responsibilities to number one, protect our national sovereignty, to number two, undermine our energy independence, uh, to number three, target American citizens, you know, declaring that uh, parents who want to see their kids educated and not indoctrinated as in domestic terrorists and going after them, uh, pro-life, advocates and pro-life centers being attacked and, and arson and uh, other means of violence enacted against us. So we have incredible amount of threats that no one would have ever thought. And you look at the number one law enforcement agency at the federal government level, it has now become a weapon of this administration. Totally politicized. Yeah, totally politicized. And so, you know, during the Obama administration, it was the weaponizing of the IRS, but now we have an IRS that they want to have 87,000 more agents and they want to have them armed. So we really do have the foreign and domestic enemies that we have to be dealing with. And sadly, they work together in some ways. I mean, you mentioned Iran and the Biden administration wants to put back the deal with Iran. Yes. Uh, and then the, you mentioned the open borders. I mean, seriously. If, if you're a jihadi, it's Christmas. Well, I guess you absolutely. don't celebrate Christmas as a jihadi, but no. it is Christmas. Well, you can walk across. Absolutely right. And so when you look at the debacle that you had in Afghanistan, where all of a sudden you enable the Taliban to come back into power and they release all of those folks that were in prison, well, guess what? They want some payback. And when you're dealing with the cartels, which is really not a business organization, they're a transnational narco-criminal terrorist organization, why we haven't designated them as such, which would enable us to really go after them, they will take the money of anybody that wants to come and do harm against the United States of America. And so when you talk about all of these threats, you know, China right now is enacting chemical warfare against the United States of America. It's fentanyl. China has also enacted biological warfare against the United States of America with COVID. And we have a feckless, weak administration that's not doing anything. And of course, many people feel that that's because the administration is compromised. Well, they appear to be compromised. You look at the laptop, you look at 
the the idea that they would have in the Penn Biden Center, they have have all oh, of these yeah. classified yeah. documents and everything that the Chinese are coming in and funding. It, how do you define classified if it doesn't, or compromised if it doesn't include what's happened to? Um, well, you have Biden. to. And the thing that's so amazing to me, you know, 22 years in the United States military, if I ever had classified material in my quarters, in my home, there's no debate, there's no discussion. I'm going to Fort Leavenworth. Or the worst thing is I'm going to lose my security clearance, which means I'm worthless. And furthermore, there's going to be uh, actions taken against me and probably unfavorable discharge. But we see these politicians out there, you know, classified documents here, there, everywhere, who's been exposed to them, and people just brush it off like it's no big deal. This is an incredible big deal. Well, I think part of the problem is, is that we overclassify everything. So we don't know, is this the menu of the ambassador in the Netherlands? You know, is this what he had for lunch, which they might have classified? Or is this the nuclear secrets? We don't know. There's no way to tell. So we have two problems, is they use classified documents to control people. Yes. And so you, you get a clearance, you get a classified document, then they can control you. You found with it, they can put you in jail. Or at minimum, it's hypocrisy because they went after the Trump Absolutely. Mar-a-Lago. And so in Mar-a-Lago, they laid all these documents out and took pictures and everything and leaked it out to the press. But you're right. We don't have any clue about what's been found at the Penn Biden Center uh, or in his garage next to his Corvette in a locked garage. Ha, ha, ha. Or even now we have the revelations about uh, Mike Pence and finding, I think, six or seven documents in his residence. Right. And I, and I think all of this is my personal opinion. You've been in Congress and mm-hmm. My personal opinion is this is a control game by the deep state. Uh, if they compromise you on, on um, prostitutes, they compromise you on other illicit sexual activity or pornography or whatever. This is another means of compromise is, is that they can control. And we don't know. We're put in the dark and we're told by the politicized FBI or the Justice Department. This is what we found, this is what we're doing about it, and we have no idea. We don't have any idea, and I think what is so very disheartening for the American people is that they see this hypocrisy, they see these two tiers. You know, I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and what you just saw with Antifa in Atlanta, where they, the Antifa member shoots the Georgia State Trooper. Of course, they return fire, kills the Antifa member, and they go out and start burning down, you know, buildings and and the uh, destroying property like they always do. But yet, no one wants to come out and declare them as a domestic terrorist organization or Jane's Revenge that is going out there attacking pro-life centers. But, oh, by the way, if you're someone that wants to talk about liberty and freedom, we're going to conduct a raid on your home. If you're a pro-life activist, we're going to, you know, charge you with uh, being outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic and you're going to face years in jail. So this is really disturbing what we see happening. And it reminds me of, you know, a Nazi Germany type of uh, environment. You know, the SA out there threatening and intimidating people, a government that is going after you. And on top of that, you got the ATF coming out with this rule and that rule, trying to disarm Americans and turn, you know, 34 million people into felons overnight. Yeah, there's no question. And, and what it does is it disheartens patriots. Mm-hmm. And when you dishearten patriots, all you do is benefit communist China and the enemies outside the United States. We're going to need to take a break. When we come back, uh, let's talk about some of the action steps. What are we doing to combat this? Colonel West, we've been talking about the assault on liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, but patriots aren't lying down. 
No. They're standing up. Tell us what, some of the things that we are, see that are happening that fight back for liberty. Well, I see an incredible awakening of the people. They're being better informed, better educated, better activated. And i give you a great example. When Terry McAuliffe stood there on that debate stage in Virginia and said that parents do not have a right in deciding what their children are being taught, he lit a flame. And what you saw happen was for the first time in, I believe, 15 years, Democrats lost all the statewide offices in Virginia. And what ended up, people went out to these school board meetings. People got engaged. Well, probably the only positive that came out of COVID was that the kids were locked up in the house with the parents. And the parents looked at these online uh, classes and said, what in the Sam Hill is going on? You've heard me say this before, and going back to when I was the chairman of the party here in Texas, that the most important elected position in the country is school board. Now look at what has happened. Look at what has happened here in Texas and all across the country. We see school boards being flipped. And that is where it has to start because it is about the education of the future generations and not allowing the progressive socialist left to get into the minds of our children and our grandchildren. So I see that happen at the grassroots level. I see more people getting out there and running for local elected positions, not just focusing on what's going on in Washington, D.C., but trying to figure out how do I affect change right here where government most closely affects me. One thing Tip O'Neill said, all politics are local. And I think we're finally understanding that. And for the first time since the Tea Party movement, I think you're really seeing a constitutional conservative grassroots movement again. Well, there's no question. I, I go and speak at a lot of Tea Parties. I know you do as well. Mm -hmm. And I will have people come up to me and say, I'm fighting back, I'm running for school board, or we just took over our school board. We kicked out these uh, bad critical race theory lessons or pornography or LGBTQ material, and parents are standing up because yeah. they're seeing their kids being slowly stripped away from them, and, and they said, wait, this isn't America. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. So they are fighting back, and they took what you said. Most important elected position says, I'm running. And I think it's a great thing. Well, it is a great thing, and all of these things are coming to a head. I mean, who is putting these ideas in our kids? Well, you don't have to be a little boy, a little girl. You can be something else. And really, that's undermining the omnipotence of God to say that God wasn't smart enough to be able to determine Adam and Eve, male and female. You can be whatever you want. Uh, Even a kitten, if you want to be yes, a dog. Yeah, absolutely. So these are things that are absolutely just totally absurd. And now we've got to fight against this perversion of the, you know, all ages drag shows. And, you know, when you tell people that this stuff is happening right here in Texas, they're like, no, it can't be. But it's happening everywhere. Just down the street from where we are now. Roanoke, Texas. That's right. Absolutely. And it, the venue was guarded by Antifa. Now, if this had been some constitutional Christian, you know, gathering with kids and you had, you know, patriots outside armed and protecting the venue, the left would have been apoplectic. And so again, it's this hypocrisy, and it's almost as if there's a, a Politburo that is forming here in the United States of America, some type of secret committee that are making rules for everybody else, but not for them. And I think that that is part of the awakening that people are seeing. Yeah, well, that's sort of the, the thesis from the, my book, According to Plan, is the elites want to control Everything, and Everything. whether the Communist Party elites in China or the, the Communist Party elites here that claim to be Democrats, yes, they want to be in absolute total control. You can't even use a natural gas stove in your house. 
I know, it's nuts. So they're telling you- Based on stupid science. Oh, it, it's not even science. It's the hyperbole of a partisan you know, think tank that does not want us to be able to capitalize on our oil and gas resources. And yet, natural gas has done more to reduce carbon emissions in the United States than any other developments. No carbon capture, no anything else. Mm -hmm. The switch to natural gas from coal has been the biggest reduction of carbon output. In China, they're adding coal plants. Yes. Nobody's complaining about the Chinese adding coal plants. They're only complaining about us using natural gas. Why? Because it means American yeah. liberty. Well, and the Paris Accords does nothing to go after China or India, who are the two you know, greatest uh, polluters. But what they want to do is take away our ability, our maneuver, uh, freedom of maneuver. When you have the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, in a Senate hearing, admit that they are trying to inflict pain upon the American people with these high gas prices to force us to buy something that we don't want. Most of us can't afford anyhow, and plus they're ugly. I'd rather have my Jeep Rubicon Gladiator than being some little nasty Prius. But they don't think that I have the ability to make that decision. Yeah, no, what's funny is that I've seen some states, their pushback is they're banning electric vehicles after the year 2030 yeah. just to push back and show how ludicrous yeah. it is. And, and they're trying to do that not just in our consumer choices, but they're also trying to do it in our investment choices, yes. this whole ESG, ESG movement, which is frightening because what it is is a complete woke takeover of our capital markets. And you just had the Davos gathering where all of these elites fly on their private planes out to Davos, uh, Switzerland, and then they want to lecture us and, you know, implement these environmental social governance policies. And, you know, it was interesting to, to sit and listen to the, uh, the CEO of BlackRock, who is really one of the major proponents of this, talk about, oh, no, you know, we want to support the oil and gas and fossil fuel. You got to be kidding me. That's why you have many of these states, West Virginia started off, they're kicking BlackRock uh, investment portfolios out of their states because you're trying to undermine our our energy independence. And so we cannot have this wokeism creep into our free market uh, economic system and especially our energy uh, security systems uh, because it's just going to be to the detriment of the country. Yeah, George Orwell said it. He said all animals are equal except some animals are more equal than others. That's and that right. is how it always is in a communist state. And, and that's what they're trying to implement. But the fight, the pushback has been done at the state level. Talk about that. Well, I think that's the critical thing, because if you go back and look at the founding documents, free and independent states created the United States of America. It's not the other way around, so we've got to get back to that. And then, of course, when you look at the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, there's 17 things, jurisdictions and purviews of the federal government. And the Tenth Amendment says all the powers not specifically delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. And that's why you got to have strong leaders at the state level. We should not have people pouring across the borders here into the United States of America. Strong governors should stand up and say, I have the constitutional duty when you fail to do and abdicate what the Constitution said. So this is where we make the stand and this is where we have the fight and we restore that understanding and sense of federalism. Yeah, no, I think it's right. You, you mentioned the Constitution, it's absolutely in there. It actually says that if you're state subject to invasion that you can field an army. Yes. So we, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. We, we had a, uh, an idea that we put out. I wish Oklahoma would sue Texas for failing to protect the border. It would go straight to the Supreme Court, and then Texas and Oklahoma could settle, and our settlement would be we'll field an army together. You know, you're absolutely right, because the, the court of original jurisdiction between states is the Supreme Court. And what we see happening in Texas is having a, a detrimental effect to the rest of the country.
Yeah, so we've got some solutions. We're pushing back. We're gonna need to take another break. When we come back, let's talk about what life would be like if liberty reigns, but also what it would be like if we lose. Colonel West, we're talking about some of the pushback that we've got at the state level and at the people level, which the Constitution allows us. But what happens if we fail? What's the world like without a liberty-loving America? Well, I remember back in 1985, I was a young lieutenant stationed over in Italy, and we were doing training up in West Berlin. And one day, we got the chance to put on our full green uniform, spit shine, jump boots, and our maroon beret, and we went through Checkpoint Charlie. And I was 24 years of age at the time. And when I came out on the other side of Checkpoint Charlie in East Berlin, I saw what the world looks like in darkness and gray. And when you don't have liberty, you don't have freedom, you don't have individual rights. I saw the despondency and depression and dejection on the faces of the people. And I just, I don't want to live like that. And I don't think anyone should want to live like that. But that's what we're facing when you have the centralized control of government. And that is what Marxism, communism, statism, socialism, progressivism is all about, centralized control. You cannot make any decisions for yourself. And that is what we uh, could lose. This grand experiment in individual self-governance could be lost for future generations and the light thereof. America is a, is a lighthouse that is shining there for the, the ships that are in distress. That's why people come to these shores. We want them to come legally sure. and not illegally. But if that light goes out, then the whole world goes into a dark age. You know, I, I saw a study of the economic growth. We're in the economic world and we think mm-hmm. economics all mm-hmm. the time. Economic growth from the time of Christ until 1820, when America was established enough as a country to make an impact on the world. It was, it was less than one-tenth of one percent, average annual growth. Poverty was rampant. Nobody's getting out of poverty. The elites live pretty well, but the rest of the world is growing at one-tenth of one percent. Now, the frightening, two frightening things from that. In 1820, all of a sudden, economic growth took off, and it really took off when that wall fell in Berlin, and and, uh, the Iron Curtain fell, and people started to, to enjoy free market economics, individual liberty, and so forth. But two frightening things, one is, what you just described was, would be a return to that, which is abject poverty. And the second thing is the Davos crowd seems to want that. They've said publicly, yeah. we want to reduce growth. Well, of course, and now they are giving our taxpayer money to uh, nations in Africa to tell them, don't get on oil and gas. We want you to focus on, you know, renewables, you know, wind and solar. Well, guess what? Natural gas, this has helped to propel them out of where they were. And all you have to do is look and see what happened with Sri Lanka when they adopted a lot of those green policies, the ESG and everything, and their economy collapsed. And you saw the people rise up and, you know, go after the presidential, you know, palace. So people understand what liberty is and people understand that they want to be able to provide for themselves and they want a comfortable standard of living. Sure. I think of Africa, I think you remove oil and gas and you have no roads. No. Right? You can't produce a road. Take your, all right, your, your oil and gas powered vehicle, your, your Jeep might go without a road pretty well, but take your average Prius and try and drive that when it's there's no happening. pavement. No, you're not getting anywhere. No. And, and, and you're going to get to a new charging station. Where are you going to find the charging station? Yeah. But that's what they want. That's why I'm telling you they want to restrict your freedom of mobility. That really is the essence of being a free person in that 
I can get in my vehicle and say to the family, hey, let's go for a ride. Let's go out to West Texas, to the Guadalupe Mountains. But if they control the means of transportation, you're not going to be able to do that. And so they want to push people into these urban population centers where you see the greatest amount of their failure uh, because that gives them the ability to control you. Yeah, and, and it's the failure for the people. You look at Chicago and the inner cities and, and, and Every people dying. One. And they're doing it not just with energy, they're doing it across the board, uh, whether it's a COVID restriction or this new central bank digital currency where they can tell you, you're only able to spend inside your geographical area. Or they wanna put devices in your vehicle that lets them know how far you're driving and they wanna tax you based upon how far you're driving. This is a and a kill switch if you go too far. Absolutely. And so next thing you know, you have a bunch of vehicles out there on the interstate that have been shut down. Uh, look at what has happened with the thermostats in your homes. You know, if the temperature is too hot out there and I want to be a little bit cooler, oh, I'm sorry. For whatever reason, it doesn't go below 75. So this is what is so threatening. Again, we started out talking about liberty. Yeah. So what's it like? That's, that is the bad. What's it like if we reestablish liberty in the United States and export it to the rest of the world like our founders intended. People flourish and, and people that, that beacon of light shines bright. Just the same as when we're exporting our liquefied natural gas, then people do not have to rely upon tyrants and dictators and OPEC plus and you undermine them. Vladimir Putin can't do the things that he is doing. He can't have a Nord Stream 1 pipeline. And how interesting it is that we cancel our own pipeline, but we enable them to have their pipeline. So that's the perplexing thing. And it says in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 that the spirit of the, uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what we got to get back to. And that is the fundamental for this great nation, our Judeo-Christian faith heritage. Yeah, there's no question because individual liberty and the op option to make a choice, you can love God or you can hate God. You can, you can choose life or you can choose not life. Perfect will or permissive will. Yeah, so this individual liberty is what has brought the greatest prosperity. It is the greatest reduction in all of the social ills mm -hmm. come from that level of individual liberty. The solution to the race problem is not to take away liberty, it's to expand liberty. Absolutely. The solution to every problem is to expand liberty. And that's why I, you know, the leftists are against anything such as educational freedom and parental choice. Because again, Karl Marx was the first person to introduce the idea of state control of education in the Communist Manifesto. That's always been their goal and that's what they're seeking to implement here. Well, I appreciate you being here in the Economic War Room. From day one, our humble beginnings, <laughs> yeah. when you first joined us, you didn't know, you know, we were on Blaze, but you didn't know, what is, what, what is this show? You came out and you've been a part of helping to educate us, uh, helping to prepare us for the battlefield. We're in an economic war and we need warriors and patriots like you to help guide the people because I'm telling you, every time I go out among the people, they say, we want liberty, security, and values. Mm -hmm. They don't want ESG. They don't want control, top-down control. They don't want uh, all of the issues that we're seeing. They want liberty, security, and values, and raise their family to believe in the same things. Absolutely right. And when you have that liberty, you have the ability to think and act and do for yourself and not be controlled. Yeah, and you said the key. The key is based on the Bible. You quoted the Bible and based on the liberty that Jesus Christ brings, which... Uh, I think if we can share that gospel truth around the world, we'll see a different world. Yes, sir. So what last moment of hope? What, what would you share that's hopeful for you? You know, my favorite American military character is Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. And I would tell people to go back and look at the action that he took at the Battle of uh, Little Round Top. He didn't sit there. He didn't surrender. He didn't retreat. He charged. 
And that's what we need to do. We need to charge. Well, this is our time to charge. Thank you, Colonel West. Thank you. What we're talking about is an economic war, but it really is a societal war. It, it is an unrestricted war because it includes everything about what you believe, what you think, how you raise your kids, where you can work, and, and everything else. We have Colonel West, true patriot, who's come in. He's a friend of the economic war, and we're grateful to him. Everything we've talked about, we're gonna summarize in our free economic battle plan, and you can get a copy at economicwarroom.com. We say it all the time, and we've talked about it today. What we see as a marketplace, our enemies, they view it as a battle space. We need to charge, get back into the battle. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.